Glib Liberals, Reading Leviticus, in Tory Times, 2018, Everett Fox, Shock and Bible, Chapter 7. Now this is the instruction for the Asham offering. It is the holiest holy portion. In the place where they slay the offering up, they are to slay the Asham offering, and its blood is to be dashed against the slaughter site all around. Now from it all its fat is to be brought near. The thick tail and the fat that covers the innards. The two kidneys and the fat that is about them and that is on the tendons. And the extension along the liver along with the kidneys is to be removed. The priest is to turn them into smoke on the slaughter site, a fire offering to Yahweh. It is an Asham offering. Any male among the priests may eat it. In a holy place it is to be eaten. It is the holiest holy portion. Like the Hatat offering, so the Yasham offering, one instruction for them. The priest who effects purgation through it, his shall it be. And the priest who brings near the offering up of a layman, the skin of the offering up that he brings near is for the priest, his shall it be. And any grain gift that is baked in an oven, and any that is prepared in a frying pan or on a griddle, it is for the priest that brings it near. His shall it be. But any grain gift mixed with oil or dry, from any of the sons of Aharon shall it be, each man like his brother. Now this is the instruction for the slaughter offering of Shalom that is brought near for Yahweh. If it is on account of thanksgiving that he brings it near, he is to bring near along with the slaughter offering of thanksgiving matzah cakes mixed with oil, matzah wafers smeared with oil, flour well stirred into cakes mixed with oil, along with cakes of leavened bread, he is to bring near his near offering, along with his slaughter offering of the thanksgiving of shalom. He is to bring near from it one of each kind of near offering as a contribution for Yahweh. It is for the priest that dashes the blood of the shalom offering. His shall it be. As for the flesh of his slaughter offering of thanksgiving of shalom, on the day of his bringing it near, it is to be eaten. He may not leave any of it until morning. Now if a vow offering or a free will offering is his slaughtered near offering, on the day of his bringing near his slaughter offering, it is to be eaten. On the morrow, what is left of it may be eaten. And what is left of the flesh of the slaughter offering on the third day in fire, it is to be burned. Now, should there be eaten, yes, eaten any of the flesh 
of his slaughter offering of Shalom on the third day, it is not acceptable for him that brings it near. It will not be reckoned to him. Tainted meat shall it be considered. And the person who eats of it, his iniquity he shall bear. Flesh that touches anything to my is not to be eaten. In fire it is to be burned. As for other flesh, anyone ritually pure may eat the flesh. But the person who that eats flesh from the slaughter offering of Shalom that is Yahweh's, while his Tumah is upon him, cut off shall that person be from his kinspeople. And a person, when he touches anything Tamai, human Tumah, or a Tamai animal, or any Tamai detestable creature, and eats the flesh of the slaughter offering of Shalom, that is Yahweh's, cut off shall that person be from his kinspeople. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Any fat of an ox or a lamb or a goat you are not to eat. Now fat from a carcass, fat from a torn animal, may be used for any work purpose, but eating you are not to eat it. For whoever eats fat from an animal from which a fire offering may be brought near for Yahweh, cut off shall the person be that eats thus from his kinspeople. And any blood you are not to eat throughout all your settlements, either of fowl or of domestic animal. Any person that eats any blood cut off shall that person be from his kinspeople. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who brings near his slaughter offering of Shalom for Yahweh, it is to bring his near offering himself to Yahweh from his slaughter offering of Shalom. His own hands are to bring the fire offerings for Yahweh, the fat, along with the breast, he is to bring it. The breast for elevating it as an elevation offering before the presence of Yahweh. And the priest is to turn the fat into smoke on the slaughter site, and the breast is to be Asaron and his sons. Now the right thigh you are to give as contribution to the priest from your slaughter offerings of Shalom. He who brings near the blood of the Shalom offerings and the fat from among the sons of Aharon, his shall it be, the right thigh as a portion. For the breast of the elevation offering and the thigh of the contribution I take from the children of Israel from their slaughter offerings of Shalom. And I give them to Aharon the priest and to his sons as an allotment for the ages for the children of Israel. 
This is the anointed chair of Aharon and the anointed chair of his sons from the fire offerings of Yahweh. From the time he brought them near to be priests for Yahweh, which Yahweh commanded to be given them from the time of his anointing them from the children of Israel as a law for the ages throughout their generations. This is the instruction concerning the offering up, concerning the grain gift, concerning the hatat offering, concerning the asham offering, and concerning the mandate offering, and concerning the slaughter offering of Shalom, that Yahweh commanded Moshe at Mount Sinai, at the time of his commanding the children of Israel to bring near their near offerings to Yahweh in the wilderness of Sinai. End of chapter 7. Glib Liberals reading Leviticus in Tory Times in 2018, reading from Everett Fox's Shock and Translation, we're at chapter 8. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Take Aharon and his sons with him, the garments and the oil for anointing, the bull for the hatat offering, the two rams and the basket of matzah, of the entire community. Assemble at the entrance of the tent of appointment. Moshe did, as Yahweh had commanded him. The community assembled at the entrance of the tent of appointment. Then Moshe said to the community, This is the thing that God has commanded to be done. Moshe brought near Aharon and his sons and washed them with water. He put on him the tunic. He girded him with the sash. He clothed him in the coat. He put on him the ephod vest. He girded him with the design band of the ephod, investing him in it. He placed on him the breastpiece. He put into the breastpiece the Urim and the Thulman. And he placed the turban on his head. He placed on the turban in front of his face a plate of gold, the sacred diadem of holiness, as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. Then Moshe took the oil for anointing and anointed the dwelling and all that was in it and making them holy. He sprinkled some of it on the slaughter site seven times, anointing the slaughter site, all its vessels, the basin and its pedestal, to make them holy. He poured some of the oil for anointing on the head of Aharon, anointing him to make him holy. Then Moshe brought near the sons of Aharon, he clothed them in coats, girded them with sashes, wound them caps, as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. He brought forward the bowl of the Hatat offering, and Aharon and his sons leaned their hands upon the head of the bowl for the Hatat offering, and he slew it. Moshe took the blood and put it 
on the horns of the slaughter site all around with his finger, thus decontaminating the slaughter site, and the blood be poured out at the foundation of the foundation of the slaughter site. So he made it holy for effecting purgation on it. Then he took all the fat that is about the innards, the extension of the liver, the two kidneys and their fat, and Moshe turned them into smoke on the slaughter site. The rest of the bull, its skin, its flesh, its dung, he burned into fire outside the camp, as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. And then he brought near the ram for the offering up. Aharon and his sons leaned their hands on the head of the ram, and he slew it. Moshe dashed the blood against the slaughter site all around, then the ram he sectioned into its sections, and Moshe turned into smoke the head, the sections, and the suet. Now the innards and the shins he washed in water, and Moshe turned the entire ram into smoke upon the slaughter site. It was an offering up for a soothing savor. It was a fire offering for Yahweh, as Yahweh had commanded Moses. Then he brought near the second ram, the ram for giving mandate. Aharon and his sons leaned their hands on the head of the ram, and he slew it. Moshe took some of its blood and put it on the ridge of the right ear of Aharon, and on the thumb of his right hand, on the thumb toe of his right foot. Then he brought near the sons of Aharon, and Moshe put some of the blood on the ridge of their right ear, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the thumb toe of their right foot. Then Moshe dashed the blood on the slaughter site all around. He took the fat, the broad tail, and all the fat that is about the innards, the extension of the liver, the two kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh, and from the basket of matzah that was before the presence of Yahweh, he took one cake of matzah and one cake of oil bread and one wafer and put them on the fat parts on the right thigh. He placed all of them on the palms of Aharon and on the palms of his sons, and they elevated them as an elevation offering before the presence of Yahweh. Then Moshe took them from their palms and turned them into smoke on the slaughter site along with the offering up. They are mandate offerings for a soothing savor. It is a fire offering for Yahweh. Moshe took the breast and elevated it as an elevation offering before the presence of Yahweh for the ram of mandating. For Moshe it was a portion, as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. Now Moshe took some of the oil for anointing and some of the blood that was upon the slaughter site 
and sprinkled it on Aharon, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. Thus he made holy Aharon, his garments, his sons, and all the garments of his sons with him. Moshe said to Aharon and to his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of appointment. There you are to eat it, everybody. Along with the bread that is in the basket of mandating, as I have commanded, saying, Aharon and his sons are to eat it. What is left of the flesh and of the bread and fire you are to burn it. Now from the entrance to the tent of appointment, you are not to go out for seven days until the time of fulfilling the days of full mandating. For seven days it takes to fill your hands in mandating. As has been done this day, Yahweh commanded to be done to effect purgation for you. At the entrance of the tent of appointment, you are to stay day and night for seven days. You are to keep the charge of Yahweh so that you do not die. For thus I have been commanded. And Aharon and his sons did all the things that Yahweh had commanded by the hand of Moshe. So ends chapter 8. Glib Liberals reading Leviticus in Tory Times, reading from Fox's Shock and Translation in 2018, chapter 9. Now it was on the eighth day that Moshe called Aharon and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aharon, Take yourself a calf, a young of the herd, as a hatat offerings, and a ram as an offering up, holy sound, and bring them near, before the presence of Yahweh. And to the children of Israel you are to speak, saying, Take a hairy one of goats as a hatat offering, and a calf and a lamb, your old ones, holy sound, as an offering. And an ox and a ram as a shalom offering to slaughter before the presence of Yahweh and a grain gift mixed with oil. For today Yahweh will make himself seen by you. So they took what Moshe had commandment to the front of the tent of appointment. And there came near the entire community standing before the presence of Yahweh. And Moshe said, This is the word that Yahweh has commanded that you do, that the glory of Yahweh may be seen by you. And Moshe said to Aharon, Come near to the slaughter site and sacrifice your hatat offering and your offering up, effecting atonement on behalf of yourself and on behalf of the people and sacrifice the near offering of the people, effecting atonement on their behalf, as Yahweh has commanded. So Aharon came near to the slaughter site and slew the calf 
for the Atat offering that was his. Then the sons of Aharon brought nearer the blood to him. He dipped his finger in the blood and placed it on the horns of the slaughter site. The remaining blood he poured out at the foundation of the slaughter site. Now the fat and the kidneys and the extension from the liver from the Hatat offering he turned into smoke on the slaughter site as Yahweh had commanded Moshe. The flesh and the skin he burned in fire outside the camp. Then he slew the offering up and the sons of the Aharon handed the blood to him and he dashed it against the slaughter site all around. The offering up they handed to him in its sections as well as the head. And he turned them into smoke upon the slaughter site. He washed the innards and the shins and turned them into smoke along with the offering up upon the slaughter site. And then he brought near the near offering of the people. And he took the hairy goat for the Hatat offering that was the people's. He slew it. He sacrificed the Hatat offering like the first one. Then he brought near the offering up, sacrificing it according to regulation. Then he brought near the grain gift, filling his palm with some of it. And he turned it into smoke upon the slaughter site, aside from the morning offering up. Then he slew the ox and the ram of the slaughter offering of Shalom, that was the people's. And the sons of Aharon handed the blood to him, and he dashed it against the slaughter site all around, along with the fat parts of the ox and the ram, the broad tail that covers the kidneys and the extension of the liver. They put the fat parts over the breasts, and he turned the fat parts into smoke on the slaughter site. The breasts and the right thigh Aharon elevated as an elevation offering before the presence of Yahweh, as he had commanded Moshe. And Aharon lifted his hands toward the people, and he blessed them. Then he came down from sacrificing the Hatat offering, the offering up and the Shalom offering. Now Moshe and Aharon had entered the tent of appointment. When they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of Yahweh was seen by the entire people. And fire went out from the presence of Yahweh and was consumed upon the slaughter site, the offering up, and the fat portions. When all the people saw, they shouted and flung themselves on their faces. Show ends chapter 9. Glib Liberals reading Leviticus 2018 in Tory Times. Everett Fox's shocking translation. Chapter 10 ending a second week a struggle. Now Aharon's sons, Nadab and Avahu, took each man his pan and placing fire in them, put smoking incense on it, and brought near, before the presence of Yahweh, outside fire, such as he had not commanded them. And fire went out from the presence of Yahweh and consumed them, so that they died before the presence of Yahweh.
Moshe said to Aharon, It is what Yahweh spoke about, saying, Through those permitted near to me, I will be proven holy. Before all the people, I will be accorded honor. Aharon was silent. Moshe called Mishael and Elsaphon, the sons of Uziel, uncle of Aharon, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers from in front of the holy shrine to beyond the camp. And they came near and carried them by their tunics beyond the camp, as Moshe had spoken. And Moshe said to Aharon and to Eleazar and Itamar his sons, your heads do not bear, your garments you are not to tear, so that you do not die and be, and he be furious with the entire community. Your brothers, the entire house of Israel, are to weep over the burning that Yahweh caused to burn. And from the entrance of the tent of appointment, do not go out lest you die, for the oil of anointing of Yahweh is upon you. They did according to the word of Moshe. Now Yahweh spoke to Aharon, saying, Wine and intoxicant do not drink, you and your sons with you, when you enter the tent of appointment, so that you do not die. A law for the ages, throughout your generations. And so that there be separation between the holy and the profane between the Tamai and the pure, and so that you might instruct the children of Israel in all the laws that Yahweh spoke to them through the land of Moshe. Moshe spoke to Aharon and to Eleazar and to Itamar, his sons that were left. Take the grain gift that is left of the fire offerings of Yahweh and eat it unleavened next to the slaughter site for it is the holiest holy portion you are to eat it in a holy place for it is for your allotment and your son's allotment from the fire offerings of Yahweh and thus have I been commanded but the breast of the elevation offering and the thigh of the contribution you may eat in any pure place you and your sons and your daughters with you. For as your allotment and your children's allotment, they have been given you. From the slaughter offerings of Shalom of the children of Israel, the thigh of the contribution and the breast of the elevation offering, along with the gifts of the fat parts, they are to bring to elevate as an elevation offering before the presence of Yahweh. It is to be for you and for your sons with you as an allotment for the ages, as Yahweh has commanded. Now about the hairy goat of Hatat, Moses inquired, yes, inquired, and here it had already been burned. And he became furious at Eleazar and Itamar, the sons of Aharon that were left, saying, why did you not eat the Hatat offering in the place of the holy shrine? For it is a holiest holy portion, 
and he has given it to you to bear the iniquity of the community, to effect purgation for them before the presence of Yahweh. Here, its blood was not brought into the holy shrine inside. You should have eaten, eaten it in the holy shrine, as I commanded. But Aharon said to Moshe, Here, today they brought near their hatat offering and their offering up before the presence of Yahweh, and such things as these have happened to me. Had I eaten the hatat offering today, would it have been good in the eyes of Yahweh? Moshe hearkened, and it was good in his eyes. So ends chapter 10 in the second week. Glib Liberals, reading Leviticus, in Tory times. Fall of 2018, the third week, starting in chapter 11. Yahweh spoke to Moshe and to Aharon, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying to them, These are the living creatures that you may eat from all the domestic animals that are upon the earth. Anyone having a hoof, cleaving a cleft in its hooves, bringing up the cud among the animals, that one you may eat. However, these you are not to eat. From those bringing up the cud, or from those having a hoof. The camel, for it brings up the cud, but a hoof it does not have. It is tamai for you. The hyrax, for it brings up the cud, but a hoof it does not have. It is tamai for you. The hare. For it brings up the cud, but a hoof it does not have. It is tamai for you. The pig, for it has a hoof, and cleaves a cleft in the hoof. But, as for it, the cud, it does not chew up. It is tamai for you. From their flesh you are not to eat. Their carcasses you are not to touch. They are tamai for you. These you may eat from all that are in the water. Anyone that has fins and scales in the water, whether in the seas or in the streams, them you may eat. But anyone that does not have fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the streams, from all swarming things in the water, from all living things that are in the water, they are detestable things for you. And they shall remain detestable things for you. From their flesh you are not to eat. The very carcasses you are to detest. Anyone that does not have fins and scales in the water, it is a detestable thing for you. Now these you are to hold detestable from fowl. They are not to be eaten. They are detestable things. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, and the falcon according to its kind, every raven according to its kind, the desert owl, the screech owl, the seagull, the hawk according to its kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the pelican, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, 
the heron, according to its kind, the hoopoe and the bat, any flying, swarming creature that goes about on all fours, it is a detestable thing for you. However, these you may eat from any flying, swarming creature that goes about on all fours, those that have jointed legs above their feet, with which to leap on the earth. As for these, from them you may eat the locust according to its kind, the bald locust according to its kind, the cricket according to its kind, the grasshopper according to its kind, but every other flying, swarming creature that has four legs, it is a detestable thing for you. Now from these you can become Tamai. Whoever touches their carcass shall be Tamai until sunset. Whoever carries any part of their carcass is to scrub his garments and remain Tamai until sunset. Every animal that divides a divided hoof, but cleaving does not cleave it through, and its cud does not bring up. They are Tamai for you. Whoever touches them is Tamai. And anyone that goes about on its paws, among all animals that go about on all fours, they are Tamai for you. Whoever touches their carcass is Tamai until sunset. One who carries their carcass is to scrub one's garments and be Tamai until sunset. They are Tamai for you. Now these are for you the ones Tamai among the swarming creatures that swarm on the earth. The weasel, the mouse, the great lizard, according to its kind, the gecko, the monitor, the lizard, the sand lizard, the chameleon. These are the ones Tamai for you among all the swarming creatures. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be Tamai until sunset. Anything upon which one of them should fall when they are dead shall be Tamai, whether any vessel of wood or cloth or skin or sackcloth, any vessel that can be used in work, it is to be put through water. It remains Tamai until sunset, then it is pure. And regarding any earthen vessel, into which one of them falls within it, everything within it shall be Tamai. And it, you are to break it. As for any food that might be eaten, should water come in contact with it, it shall be Tamai. And any beverage that might be drunk, if in any vessel, it shall be Tamai. Anything else on which their carcass falls shall be Tamai. An oven or a two-pot stove is to be demolished. They are Tamai. They shall remain Tamai for you. However, a spring or a cistern for gathering water shall remain pure. But one who touches their carcass shall be Tamai. Now if part of their carcass falls upon any sowing seed that is to be sown, it remains pure. But if water is put on the seed and part of their carcass falls on it, it is Tamai for you. And if there should die one of the animals that are permitted to you for eating, one who touches its carcass shall remain to eye until sunset. One who eats from its carcass is to scrub his garments, remaining to eye until sunset. One who carries its carcass is to scrub his garments, remaining to eye until sunset. 
any swarming creature that swarms upon the earth. It is a detestable thing. It is not to be eaten. Anything going about on its belly, anything going about on all fours, up to anything with many legs, among all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, you are not to eat them, for they are detestable things. Do not make yourselves detestable through any swarming thing that swarms. You are not to make yourselves tamai through them, becoming tamai through them. For I, Yahweh, am your God. You are to hallow yourselves and be holy, for holy am I. You are not to make yourselves tamai through any swarming creature that crawls upon the earth. For I am Yahweh, the one bringing you up from the land of Egypt to be God to you. You are to be holy, for holy am I. This is the instruction for animals, fowl, and all the living beings that stir in the water, all the beings that swarm upon the earth, that there may be separation between the Tamai and the pure, between the living creatures that may be eaten and the living creatures that you are not to eat. So ends chapter 11. Glib Liberals reading Leviticus in Tory Times 2018 from Fox's Shock and Bible Translation, Chapter 12. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, A woman, when she produces seed and bears a male, she remains Tamai for seven days, like the days of her infirmity of being apart. She shall remain Tamai, and on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin is to be circumcised. For thirty days and three days she is to stay in her period of blood purification. Any holy things she is not to touch. The holy area she is not to enter until the fulfilling of the days of her purification. Now if it is a female that she bears, she remains to my for two weeks, like her time of being apart. And for sixty days and six days she is to stay for a period of blood purification and at the fulfilling of the days of her purification, for a son or for a daughter, she is to bring a lamb in its first year as an offering up, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a hatat offering to the entrance of the tent of appointment to the priest. He is to bring it near before the presence of Yahweh and is to effect purgation for her. Then she will be purified from her source of blood. This is the instruction for one giving birth, whether to a male or to a female. But if her hand does not find enough means for a sheep, she is to take 
two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for an offering up and one for a hatat offering, when the priest effects purgation for her. Then she is pure. So ends chapter 12. Gleb Liberals, reading Leviticus, in Tory Times, Week 2, Consumption and Sacrifice, number 2. Leviticus 7 to 12. As we begin this second week of reading, has your mental movie come into focus at all? The scenery and behavior won't change much this week. People keep bringing meat and food sacrifices, or the equivalent in shekels. The acknowledgement of financial payments continues the transition from crude primitive tent from one temple to another, the synagogues, the churches, and the diaspora are online virtual forum of community religious behavior. There is early reference to issues of clean and in unclean. I promise we'll get to the interpretive lens, purity and pollution, in the next couple of weeks. Now that we've taken the plunge with Leviticus into the middle of the practice, on our second Sabbatarian pause on the Lord's Day beginning the week rather than the Sabbath ending it, we might be ready for Terry Eagleton's offer of a catalog of words to express our own ideas, seeking diction around sacrifice and consumption. Ancient Israel had names for different forms of sacrifice, but no name or the institution as such. There is no discernible essence to the custom since the dawn of time it's fulfilled a striking diversity of functions. It can be anything from a form of celestial bribery, I'll give you this if you give me that, to an act of martyrdom in which one makes a gift of one's death to others. Sacrifice is a polythetic team, term, encompassing a range of activities that need have no single feature in common. It has been seen at various times as gift, tribute, covenant, prayer, bargain, gratitude, atonement, adoration, cajolement, celebration, restitution, expiation, sanctification, propitiation, communion, fellowship, purification, and discharge of debt. It can involve a redemptive death, a perching of evil, a refusal of death, a dialogue with divinity, a restoration of cosmic order, or a prudent investment in order to secure a profitable return. There are those who have regarded it as a rite of passage or reinforcement of patriarchal power, whereas others have found in it a source of social cohesion, a liberation of vital energies, a ritual working through of guilt or trauma or a species of mourning. It is true that the institution has a number of retrograde features, as its critics have been at pains to point out. As we shall see, it has been for the most part profoundly conservative practice, yet there is a radical kernel to be extracted from its mystical shell. Sacrifice concerns the passage of the lowly unremarkable thing from weakness to power. It marks a movement from victimhood to full humanity, destitution 
to riches, the world as we know it, to some transfigured domain. It is this disruptive rite of passage that is known, among other things, as consecration. To make an object sacred is to mark it out by investing it with a sublimely dangerous power. If sacrifice is often violent, it is because the depth of the change it promises cannot be a matter of smooth evolution or simple continuity. In this sense, the practice of ritual sacrifice nurtures a wisdom beyond the rationality of the modern, at least in its most callow. It sets its face against the consoling illusion that fulfillment can be achieved without fundamental rupture and rebirth. The consecration of the sacrificial victim is not a matter of wholesale transformation, not some piecemeal evolution. One cannot pass from time to eternity while remaining intact. So says Terry Eagleton in his book on sacrifice. Another way is to normalize the strangeness of this contrast between our culture and our economy of consumption and Leviticus's vision of sacrifice in a divine ecology is to translate some of the discussion into our legal categories. Some conflicts and resolutions between private parties are addressed in litigation. When the state is involved as a party regulating behavior, there may be fines and collection. Administrative law or trusts address procedural justice. Just as Jenny Holzer made famous in her art piece of the 1980s, abuse of power comes as no surprise. Perhaps too often I analyze situations in terms of benefit, burden, and choice. Who gets how much of each in this unholy trinity in any situation or transaction? Reasonable and faithful people often differ on the balance of benefit and burden, among individuals and groups, not only in material terms, but also in terms of agency, control. Who gets to make the choice, for better or for worse, distributing benefits and burden? How is that authorized and legitimated? In 1971, I started university in economics, and I couldn't put my finger on my discomfort with the utilitarian calculus being proposed People in groups were assumed to seek to maximize their benefit, to minimize their burden. My suspicion of moral sleight of hand drove me into law and then theology, study and practice. Forty-five years later, I found Kahneman's behavioral economics through the best-selling Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. You could just take that shortcut and miss my lifetime of error. This time... While we're reading Leviticus, we are surely obliged to keep near the surface the reports of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission about our cultural genocide of indigenous peoples and our constant press about sexual abuse by priests of vulnerable people and financial abuses by politicians of public trusts. Ending the week, we will enter the Holiness Code of Leviticus 11 to 15 as a transition. See how Leviticus addresses abuse of power 
by the first generation of presiders in a sacrificial system and transitions from what I've called sacrifice and consumption to what I've called purity and pollution. That was a long intro without readings this day.